0: Donald Trump has his first major out-and-out challenger to be the GOP's 2024 presidential nomination. Nikki Haley, former UN ambassador and South Carolina governor, held a campaign event in Charleston this week where she spoke of a need for a new generation to lead us into the future. And you know what? Trump took the news with his usual graciousness. I want her to follow her heart. Even though she made a commitment, she would never run against who she called the greatest president of all time. He said in a statement about her running. So, can Haley outdo the 76-year-old former president in his bid for a second shot at the White House? Danielle Vinson, professor of politics and international affairs at Furman University, South Carolina, joins me to discuss her chances. Welcome to the bunker, Danielle.
1: Thanks. Good to be here.
0: Danielle, away from her politics, as a as a character, how would you describe Nikki Haley?
1: Nikki Haley is an incredibly competent woman. Um, she uh, is... Very ambitious, uh, I think many of us knew back in her early days as governor that she had every intention of running for president of the United States one day, and she's worked really hard to position herself um, to to make that uh, jump this year.
0: I mean the idea of her being competent sounds quite nice compared to uh, some of what we've had lately. <laughs> yeah
1: that, that is one thing. Even people who did not love her politics when she was governor of South Carolina, Uh, could not argue with the fact that this is a woman who does her homework. She does not mind working hard, uh, and she she handles things really well. Um, A a couple of examples come to mind. One, the working hard. When she first ran for governor, she was pretty well unknown to South Carolina. She had been in the state legislature a few years, but not very long, and she didn't have any name recognition really across the state. She jumped in to a a candidate pool that had several much better known uh, male politicians. They were all better funded than she was. And she just flat out worked them. Um, And it was doing things like I, I was chairing my department at the time. She called the department and said, I want to talk to a group of college students. Her campaign did. And I said, well, uh, we've got an 830 in the morning American government class with about 12, (laughs) 15 people in it. And they said she'll be there. And that was the kind of stuff she did um, in her first run for governor that just said, you know, I'm not going to. Declare that I can't do this because I don't have the money or the name recognition. I'm going to get the name recognition. I'm going to show you I'm a serious candidate. So she's willing to work. She dealt with several natural disasters in the state during her time as governor. Uh, Hurricane Matthew was probably the biggest one back in 2016, but we also had some widespread major flooding in the state the year before that. And in both cases, she just took charge. She made the calls about evacuations without dithering. Um, she she was just on top of things um, and and really sort of lent an air of assurance to a lot of people who were in uncertain situations during those two incidents.
0: So she's a she's a Republican, which broadly would mean she's more right leaning. But being a Republican doesn't necessarily mean one one thing anymore, let's say, to be polite about the, the GOP. What sort of Republican is she?
1: She is what you would think of as a more traditional conservative Republican. She is most definitely conservative. The woman has never met a tax increase that she liked. During her time as governor in the state of South Carolina, our roads were notoriously the worst in the nation or among the worst in the nation. Our gas tax had not been raised in more than 20 years, and she steadfastly refused to raise it. Um, the only way she even thought about considering it was if there was some sort of trade-off with a major cut in the state income tax. So she's very much in that... um camp of, of Republicans who are anti-tax. Uh, she is not someone who wants to spend a lot of money. She doesn't want to see big government. Um, so if she's going to do any government spending, it's going to be the kind of things that would attract business. She's very business friendly. Uh, she wanted to attract uh, international as well as national businesses to the to the South Carolina when she was here she was very much in favor of, of tax credits and things like that, that would make things um, comfortable for business, uh, deregulation of, of things to make it easier for them to operate in the state. So those kind of traditional conservative um, business positions. She also is socially conservative, though that's not sort of the first issue she's going to usually lead with. Um, she may have no choice but to lead with that in these primaries, but she's, she is a social conservative as well.
0: Will that be difficult for her to not sort of get drawn into the the culture war, as it were, to be a traditional sort of fiscal conservative and want to lean in that when she might get dragged into Donald Trump, who is the ultimate culture warrior, it would appear?
1: She's not going to mind being in the culture war. It's just not the thing she's likely to bring up first. Um, she is okay. pro-life. Um, she, was, she was perfectly willing to uh, encourage the legislature when they wanted to. And put restrictions on abortion. Uh, she has uh, already come out with statements about uh, parents should be in charge of what's taught in the schools and um, definitely uh, will not be challenging Trump or DeSantis on issues like critical race theory. she'll she'll fit in with sort of the Republican thinking on that. I think it's just not her go-to issue. It's not what sets her apart in a lot of ways.
0: If she were to win the nomination, she'd be the first woman and the first Asian American put forward by the GOP for for the presidency. How did uh, going back to that? What else should we know about her background in terms of what's uh, how she come into politics in the first place? You mentioned she was part of the state legislature. Uh, Prior to that, what was she doing before she was in politics?
1: Her family, um, of course, her parents immigrated to the U.S. and she grew up um, in fairly rural South Carolina, they were in business for themselves. And so I think a lot of what has informed her ideology and politics is their experiences in business and recognizing the value of people being able to start small businesses, um, and particularly immigrants being able to start small businesses. But that idea that regulation can be stifling to them, uh, she she sort of embraced that idea Uh, And so she was she was coming into the legislature from the private sector. And I think just wanting to address issues that she felt like were stymieing people in the private sector.
0: From going into being in business and becoming a a sort of local Republican politician, that seems all quite traditional. And then she became governor. Her journey since then has been a little bit strange and her relationship with Trump has been a little bit strange. Could you outline what's gone on there?
1: Yes. Um, Nikki Haley came out in opposition to Trump during the presidential primaries in 2016. Everyone waited to see who she would endorse in those primaries. Uh, She had been very vocally opposed to Trump, uh, but she endorsed Marco Rubio in that uh, particular primary right before the, the South Carolina primary that year. She delivered a State of the Union address during the time that Obama was president, uh, not a State of the Union address, but a response to the State of the Union uh, that Obama had done. Um, and so she she was a darling in Republican national circles during that 2016 year. Because she opposed Trump, I think it surprised people that um she ultimately ended up as his UN ambassador. But the the backstory on that is that her lieutenant Governor was Henry McMaster, who is our current Governor in South Carolina. Henry McMaster was on the Trump train very early in that primary. And when Trump won the presidency, he invited Henry McMaster to join his cabinet. And McMaster said, what I really want to be is governor of South Carolina. And you can make that happen by giving her a position in your administration. And so Trump basically talked to Haley to figure out what she wanted. And the one thing that was missing on her presidential resume was foreign policy experience. And so that's how she ends up with the UN ambassadorship. And she stuck around long enough to claim that she has some experience now and to get some experience, but not long enough to be stuck with any of the baggage of the Trump administration.
0: In terms of that move, then, do you think it looked like it was quite clearly cynical from her to an extent that it was it was for her? Or was it positions that she did it that she thought, well, I don't like Trump, but I could maybe hold back some of his worst aspects if I were to work from on the inside. Is that how she tried to frame it?
1: Yeah, I, my hunch is she she wanted that position because she could maintain some distance from him. And don't get me wrong, when she left the White House, when she left that job in the administration, she seemed to leave on very good terms with Trump. Uh, there's there's a um, widespread photo of her in the Oval Office as she was sort of exiting, and they're shaking hands and smiling warmly, and she said very nice things about him at the time, um, and she's been supportive of him since, um, but she's managed to keep it at arm's length so that she doesn't really get tagged with any of the potential negative decisions that I think were made um, by Trump during his time as president.
0: Mm. I mentioned that Trump wasn't particularly uh, kind about her launch. He sort of did his classic sarcastic, I'm really happy about this, but I'm obviously really not happy about this thing one of his uh, one of his allies taylor budovich uh, who was the Magrink executive and a former trump spokesman he said nikki haley is just another career politician she started out as never trumper before resigning to serve in the trump admin she's then resigned early to go raking money on corporate boards is this a narrative that's going to stop her from forming her own and do they kind of have a point that they can they can just throw this at her
1: They can certainly throw that at her. I mean, you know, she has she is she is a very careful, ambitious politician. She's looking down the road and protecting her own interests. She's not doing you know, she wasn't in the Trump administration, surely out of some need to serve. She had her own reasons for saying yes to that job. She had her reasons for leaving when she did. And it does all play very nicely into she was planning to run for president. The question is, was she going to do it this time around or was she going to wait and and make sure Trump was fully off the stage? I think, yes, they will make those claims. But those are the kinds of arguments that I don't think that's ultimately going to be what makes people decide who they're voting for in a Republican presidential primary. The Republicans have shown over the last six years in their willingness to embrace Trump that they can get past pretty much anything in terms of character questions and, and you know, questions about who is ambitious and who is out for their own interests. Um, there, there's no pretending that Trump was purely out for the interests of the country. Trump has always been for Trump. So when people say this or when Trump's people say this and his supporters say that, I think she can sort of dismiss it. I think, honestly, she wouldn't have gotten in the race this time around if she thought Trump was as strong as he was six years ago. I think she's decided he's weak um, and this is as good a time as any to get in and, and lay claim to the Republican Party. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and
0: use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Has she gone early to get some of the mudslinging out of the way? Ron DeSantis looked like the obvious person to put his hand up and he still hasn't so now Nikki Haley has said I'm going to go for it she's going to get a load of abuse now and then eventually down the line DeSantis will probably have to put his hand up and then it's going to be DeSantis and Trump slugging it out and maybe Nikki Haley can just sit on the sidelines a little bit and she's got her abuse out of the way with
1: yeah I do think part of it is you go on and get this this sort of messiness out of the way early I also think what she's partly doing is trying to discourage other Republicans who might be attractive to the same part of the party that she will be attractive to. I think she's trying to discourage them from running by jumping in this early. She can try to get a head start on the fundraising um, from that particular branch of the party. But yeah, it does have the added bonus of she'll take her slings and arrows from Trump right now and maybe... Others will then divert his attention later on down the road.
0: Since her uh, announcement, video has emerged of her saying that states can secede from the United States. How weird a thing to say is that? And is that something which could could damage her?
1: This is fun. Um, it's probably not that weird of a thing to say in the southern states who tried it <laughs> once before. Um they they still have these moments of longing for it. You still also get these random secessionist movements out in Montana and Texas from time to yeah, time. Yeah, there seems to be
0: a lot of talk of Texas being able to mm-hmm. become its own country.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's, so in parts of the country, you do hear this. Um, I think most of us, and again, I am a lifelong South Carolinian. Most of us kind of shake our heads and go, yeah, that didn't work so well the first time. I don't see it working any better this time around. Um, and so we kind of dismiss it. I don't know how that will play in other parts of the country where that really is seen as kind of a surprising viewpoint for the 21st century. Um, So, yes, that could if something like that became a real issue. And I, I do not know the context in which she said that. Um, But if if that became an issue, yes, it could hurt her in some of the Midwestern states, potentially, um, certainly in the northeast and potentially out west as well.
0: Away from Trump and away from that particular scandal, what would you say her her weak spots are?
1: I think the fact that she's not had to run a campaign in a while. uh, Things have changed since Nikki Haley ran for governor, and I, I will grant her that she had a really nasty race. During her time as governor, um, people made accusations that did not ever pan out. um, But she had to deal with a lot of nastiness um, from some of her competitors in that campaign. She handled it very gracefully. Uh, She managed to keep the focus on substance. But I think politics have gotten even rougher and national politics have particularly gotten ugly I think trying to run against Trump in a primary is not going to be easy for anyone. The Republican candidates were very qualified in 2016, and every one of them got pounded by Trump, Uh, and ultimately he prevailed. So I think being a little out of practice on that may be challenging for her. Um, No clue how, I mean, she did well in debates um, when she was running for governor, but she hasn't had to do that on a national stage with national issues. And she really hasn't had to do that in this context with a lot of people who don't mind name-calling and who aren't really interested necessarily in being substantive. Um, she's Her strong suit is substantive policy discussion. And that is not what our campaigns have been in the last two cycles.
0: Why does she think she is the right person to be the, the never-Trump candidate? When we've seen people like Kinzinger and Liz Cheney kind of fade away, why does she think she is the... The never Trump to do it.
1: Yes, I think um, from her perspective, first of all, she brings diversity just by her presence in the Republican Party. Um, she is an Indian American woman. Um, The Republican Party does not have a lot of diversity, but there is evidence that middle aged and younger folks in the party would really like to see more diversity. She does do well when she gets in front of a crowd. She can be very charismatic with people. She's a pleasant person. And for those who are really tired of the toxic politics we've had the last two presidential cycles, she would be a breath of fresh air. She won't really get down and dirty with folks. She's not into name calling. She can be dismissive of, of their behavior, but she's, she's not likely to start trying to to sling mud with them. And I think that that is part of that. Um, the other thing is she's younger. Um, you look at how old uh, some of the potential you know, candidates are and just standing next to him on stage, she brings youth to the party and still has the experience, um, still has the executive experience during her time as governor, has the the foreign policy experience that a lot of them that are challenging Trump will not have
0: that youthfulness particularly if you were to go up against biden is something that i think would be quite stark but where biden and trump clash quite well is that trump is clearly prepared to really go for whatever and biden rose above that how would Haley match up against biden because if you've got two just very kind of quite polite above the fray politicians would it feel a little bit old school for 2024 i just can't really see a presidential race which is kind of civil anymore
1: don't mistake civil for agreeing. They will disagree, but it would look more like a substantive policy disagreement. It would be certainly more polite, but I think both of them can be animated. Or maybe more so than Biden, but they can they can be feisty if they need to be. Um, I do think that ratings on you know television, cable news will drop precipitously uh, if it were to be the two of them matched up. But no, I, I think I think she would be a big nightmare for Joe Biden because she she is everything that he says Trump is not. And she's also younger and may scare off fewer suburban women and things like that that have really been the key to Biden winning.
0: Gut instinct. Can she do better than DeSantis? And can she do the ultimate challenge? And could she actually beat Trump? Or does this look like a bit of a a no hope, really?
1: I would not underestimate Nikki Haley. When she first ran for governor, I would not have given her any chance at all of becoming governor in the state of South Carolina for a whole bunch of reasons, including her youth and lack of experience. And yet she outworked a bunch of men who were better known. She ran a smarter campaign. She doesn't tend to make stupid mistakes. She handled accusations that swirled around her um, that turned out to be unfounded as best anyone can tell uh and that you know were personal attacks. Uh, she handled those quite well. and so yes, I think if she can find financial backing, she could potentially sneak up on them and and overcome DeSantis and Trump. She's also going to be more likable than the two of them. Um, just straight up more likable. So if she doesn't get a lot of competition in that lane of folks that are not happy with Trump, and may find DeSantis too abrasive, I think she could potentially win. She is an underdog at this point, and it is an uphill battle. um, But I would not count her out yet.
0: Danielle, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you joining me.
1: It's good talking to you.
0: Listeners, if you enjoyed the Bunker USA, remember you can back us on Patreon. There's a link in the show notes or just search Bunker Patreon Podcast. This is Jacob Jarvis. Thank you for joining me for The Bunker. The Bunker Daily was produced and presented by Jacob Jarvis, with additional production from Jack Gerbertson, Kasia Tomashevich, and me, Alex Reese. Our marketing manager was Gina Richard, music by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.